production of Radio Six International. Hello, Edinburgh. This is you and Spence once more. It's the Edinburgh Fringe once more. It's thirty minutes of excitement. Just a tiny, tiny sample of the biggest arts festival. Oh god, if I do in the world, I'll sound like Clarkson again. But it is. I need to fix that scripting. Oh, it doesn't matter. Y'all know it's the best thing in the world ever since sliced bread. Um, actually, it's not the next best thing since sliced bread is suitcases with wheels. And, and for the life of me right now, I can't remember which comedian explained it to me. Yes, I can. It was Gordon Southern. There we are. Credit where credit's due. I'm pretty sure he's playing the Fringe as well. There's about 4,000 acts or so, um, and he will be around three of them in today. Three cryptic clues, uh, and then we'll see what's coming up. When arrows don't fly true, the war that everyone forgot, and everyone wondering if Chris is actually Rutger Hauer in disguise, or doing a bit of cosplay, or whatever. That is your Edinburgh Festival Fringe show for the next half an hour with myself, Ewan Spence. Uh, the delightful help of the team at FringeReview.co.uk. Support from Radio 6 International. Uh, radio6.com and application support from ifringe.com uh, and support from you listening as well you'll find us in iTunes and Google Play podcasts and all of the other places and we have an RSS feedback on our website edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com and if you are following us on iTunes and such like do consider leaving us a review like any good review at the Fringe between one stars and five stars and we know you'll give us four but it'll read like a five so we'll be very happy. Coming up later on in the show, uh, we have the Antissians. Uh, we have a play about the Falklands. But we'll start off with Liz McMullen and Stupid Cupid. Things to never do with your guests. Think they're American when they're actually Canadian. <laughs> Sorry, Liz. It's totally okay. It happens all the time. I'm quite used to it. And I'm one of those Canadians that doesn't mind because I do lots of American voiceover work. And I find that, to be honest, sometimes I can't even tell the difference between a, a Canadian and American accent. If they're from West Coast, East Coast, sometimes... I can tell that more so than I can tell what country they're from. So you take it as a professional compliment that you sound like an American. Yes, yes I do. Good. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that's real or not, but for me it is. Liz McMullen joins us now. Uh, debut show at the Fringe with Stupid Cupids. Yes, yeah. You were up at the Fringe this upon in 2015, yes. and now you're on the other side. And now I'm on the other side, and I'm, I'm really excited because... Um, when I came here in 2015, um, it was to check out venues and because I had the seed of this idea for my show. So it's kind of been a long time coming and uh, so it's really exciting that it's actually finally happening after so long. Tell us about the show. So my show is called Stupid Cupid and it's about a Cupid in training. She is all prepared to get her love wings and take her exam. And um, at the beginning of her exam, she accidentally shoots herself with the bow and arrow. 
and then she starts to fall in love with different people in the audience and discovers that there's a lot about love she still needs to learn. So does, when you say she falls in love with people in the audience, does that mean there's a little bit of improv in here or there, there is? There's a little bit of audience interaction. I don't get anyone on the stage and no one has to do anything. But I do make eye contact with people and I do find the best out of everyone in my audience. Just a little bit to reminder, it's not TV. I can see you, you can see me. This is both ways. It is both ways. And it, you know what? It has been so much fun because... Uh, some people really get into it. Uh, some people get a bit embarrassed and then get on board. And Welcome to the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, she's, she's looking at me. No, no, no. My name's Brian. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely been a bit of that. But, uh, you know, to be honest, there's been lots of smiles and uh, nods of agreement throughout the play. I think um, I explore different facets of love and the journey of love. Because uh, Cupid is uh, at the beginning quite stupid, quite naive, and um, it's it's a lot of fun because some of the feedback I've gotten is people kind of reflecting on themselves and the different aspects of love. And um, I've, yeah, I've had really positive response so far. So I'm really grateful that people are open uh, to me loving at them at the fringe. <laughs> so Cupid was wasn't Cupid just like a solitary one of the solitary gods, and now you're positing that there's an army of cupids oh you bet so in my world there is a whole um an array of cupids so we have different type of cupids and we explore that in the show and so my cupid goes on a journey and she learns a little bit from the different cupids like for example we have traditional cupid we have woodstock sensual cupid then we have um binary.com cupid uh you know which explores things for the millennials and online dating and we have colonel cupid and um who else do we have oh we have rogue and rebel cupid as well so there's lots of fun to be had and uh it's a real roller coaster. The the stage is pretty messy by the end of the show. And you've taken a long time to put this project together. Yeah, so I first had the idea about three years ago. I was going for a walk through Regent's Park and I was actually kind of reflecting on my own personal situation with love and uh, what should I do? Um, you know, every relationship has some bumpy patches. And... Um, I had the idea for the character, Stupid Cupid, and I, I just really loved this idea about, you know, going through a journey of love. And I have two really good friends of mine who are back in Canada, in Vancouver, because I'm now based in London, and they are both playwrights. Um, Miguel Eichelberger is a playwright poet, and Carrie Ann Cameron is a novelist playwright. Uh, they are married, so they know lots about love. And uh, so I approached them, and I just said look I've got this great idea I've got characters I've got all these ideas in my head but I'm not a writer um, would you be interested in collaborating and uh, to my absolute delight they loved the idea and so the three of us collaborated worked together and um, they came up with the script um, with all my ideas and we workshopped things and uh, so now I have a script and then um, when I was this <laughs> when was this this was 2016. Okay, so it's about a year for the writing process then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I told myself that, I mean, the script was in development. I said to myself, I've got uh, the Vancouver Fringe Festival, which happens in September, is done on a lottery basis. And uh, a good friend of mine in Vancouver as well said, Liz, 
as you can apply as an international artist, stick your name in the hat, see if, see what happens. And if you get in, then you're doing your show and you can't sit around and just think it about it. It gives you a little bit of momentum to be polite about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it works. I got in, so I was like, How, okay. how big is that lottery? I mean, how, how, how big of a percentage chance well, did you have? I think, so the Vancouver Fringe Festival is very well established in Vancouver. There's a lot of Vancouver talent, and then there's a lot of Canadian talent. But I don't think it's as well known internationally. So, I mean, I think it's a... You know, if you're a Vancouver artist, you might get in, eh, you might not. If you're a Canadian artist, well, you can. if you have got a good show, maybe it'll happen. If, you have an, if you're an international artist, I think you've got pretty good chances. <laughs> you're looking at 50-50 then. Yeah, exactly. So I was really grateful for that opportunity. It was my first time performing in Canada um, in over 10 years. Uh, so I was kind of really excited but really nervous going back to Canada for the first time with my show. Uh, it was my first time performing ever in Vancouver because I'm actually from Calgary. Uh, so it, it, but it was wonderful. They were really welcoming. It was a great first festival to test it out. Um, I was in a giant venue, which was a little bit tricky, but you know, as an actor, you just work around that. And, uh, the audience response was, was brilliant. So then I brought it back to London. Um, I did it a couple of times at the Hen and Chickens Theatre in London. And then I took it to the Brighton Fringe Festival in May. Uh, it had a short run at the Warren again uh, well received but I only did it five times so it's a bit hard to kind of build up momentum when you just have scattered shows here and there because um, it wasn't consecutive and, uh, and then you have the three and a half weeks of Edinburgh in August oh my goodness and then I keep telling people this is the big apple of fringe festivals like this is the big one and um, I have been building up to this moment for so the show itself, remind us when it's on. Yes, it's on every day at 12.10 at uh, Underbelly, Bristol Square, Clover. Indeed. But it's in the Bristol Square bit and all the signs are up Absolutely. and everything. Because it is, even though you came up three years ago to scout the venues, you'll have realised now that we just move <laughs> everything all the time. Oh, yeah. We're like the end of Labyrinth. <laughs> And Liz, where can we find out more about you and the play online? Uh, yes, well, obviously Underbelly, but also I've got a website full of information at LizMcMullen.com. I'm on Twitter at Lizzie with a Y, uh, McMullen, and you can find me on Facebook at Stupid Cupid the Play. Liz McMullen there and her show, Stupid Cupid. As she said, playing the underbelly, but you'll get a link back at our website straight into the Edinburgh French box office so you can buy your tickets online and pick them up with a swipe at the credit card when you get to the box office. EdinburghFrench.thepodcastcorner.com. All the links are there. Right then, we'll move from there on to uh, chat with Luke Turbo and Heather Bagnell uh, from the team at Fringe Review as they talk to them about their show playing at Greenside Theatre, The Falklands, The War, The World forgot hello i'm joanne ellen and i'm talking to you for a fringe review i'm going to be talking to luke and heather with the falkland play falkland the war the world forgot can you tell me something about your show can you introduce the show to me because i have not i haven't come across it yet Sure thing. Um, so Heather and I uh, put the show together. Heather wrote it, and I 
uh, dramaturg did uh, for the 35th uh, anniversary of the Falklands War, uh, which was last year. And uh, it is not a story of the war so much. It's not a history play. It's really more about the people of the Falklands and... Um, and their experiences during the war. And it focuses on two characters, uh, a shepherd and his wife, who are from the Falklands, and uh, their relationship with a young soldier who's a new recruit in the British uh, Marines, who's there sort of digging the forward trench uh, in, on the island. I, I wasn't familiar with this conflict at all until Luke brought this to me because it was, being from the U.S., it was kind of a blip on the radar during, uh, during the 1982 but the more I researched it, the more I realized how current this story really was. Okay, can you tell me then something about the research? You said that you didn't know much about the conflict at all, so can you, can you tell me about your process, please? Well, I spent about um, six, seven months researching, uh, reading first-hand accounts, a lot of first-hand accounts in, in Luke, as he mentioned, dramaturg for me. Uh, I was also looking at archival photos, archival uh, video footage from, from that period. And uh, so, so I could understand not just the war, but who these characters were going to be before I could even begin to sort of sort out their story arc. And I, I had to take a few liberties with just with the, the geology, because with such an epic story and only two actors, um, we had to, to, to conflate some of, some of the material. But, but the show itself takes place in real time, so, so there's a, a linear timeline for the, for the story. And all of the anecdotes that are in the show and the vignettes are based on real events and real people. Um, some of them have been kind of amalgamated for, you know, for the drama. Uh, but everything that happens in the show did happen at some point during the, uh, during the conflict. And it's been really interesting for us meeting audiences as we've uh, you know, performed the show prior to Edinburgh. We um, won the Best Show Award in, in Pittsburgh for Engine America. And uh, we were over in Brighton, or down in Brighton, I guess, um, for a Brighton Fringe. And we actually had um, audiences from Argentina and also from the Falklands. Uh, who came to see the show and so it's really interesting meeting people and in fact one of the families that came to see our show in Brighton knew the real person um, who's one of the characters in our show so that was sort of that was a crazy sort of small world experience uh, but the but the research has been really interesting too because it has changed since the beginning of the show we've been able to sort of expand some of the stories contract some of them and and now we have uh, a very sort of fluid narrative that, uh, that I think you need to come see to sort of really, uh, to really be able to sort of take on board. It's, it's a, a conflict that only lasted 74 days. Uh, and, and in a time when, you know, MTV was starting up and the, and the rocket was happening and there's all these other things happening in the world. It was sort of a blip on the horizon for a lot of people outside of the UK which is interesting being in the UK now, and me originally from the UK, of course, um, because in England, obviously, it was a huge thing. But to everybody else outside of the world, it, it didn't really seem to register. I mean, it did register, but not hugely on their radar, you know. Can, can you tell me a bit more about the actual show, um, about the how it's staged, the actors, the number of cast, um, and, and sort of what kind of style the performance is? What can people expect when they come to see your show? Well, it's, it's two actors and three primary characters and, and one um, sort of tertiary character. 
Uh, and and it's it's a fairly naturalistic performance. I mean, it's it's really about ordinary people going about their lives in this sort of surreal world where they've been invaded, but nothing's really happened, um, and and they're experiencing it firsthand, but as observers. So uh, there's there's a there's a line in the show that that really resonates with me um, as as an as a performer and a playwright coming from the U.S. in our current time, which is, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to go to work every day like this is normal. And that was very much the experience of the Islanders saying, you know, we're, we're going to work every day, um, but we've been invaded. You know, they've, they've, they've taken control of our radio, they've taken control of our television, but nothing has really happened to us. And, and you know, the soldiers were, were put on ships and, and they Many of them didn't even know where they were going. They thought they were going to Falkland, Scotland, which we visited yesterday, um, because because they 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 couldn't imagine why the Argentinians were all the way up in Scotland. But it was um, you know with with the Falklands basically being on the other side of the world. Again, it was this tiny island that people said, "Well, why are they invading? We, you know, it's not a big trade uh, island. It's not there. There's there's not there's not oil there. Like." what's happening i think and many people have different reasons and different thoughts about why the war happened and and uh, the reasoning behind it and whether that was good or bad and i and i think one of the great things about our show and we uh, which you know from feedback we've received we've found is it doesn't really take a side it sort of portrays the people um and talks about their experiences and lets the audience decide um one of the things we've always wanted to do with tasty monster productions is uh, sort of plant that seed in the audience's garden and give them, you know, enough water that it sort of sprouts a little shrub, but then for them to go away and prune it and kind of figure out their own journey, what that will end up being. And if we start conversations that they then take away, that's really what we're here for. We don't want to kind of make a judgment um, on one way or the other because it's much more interesting to us to see how the audience react to it on their own. And finally, just to finish, can you tell me about your experience so far at Fringe? Tell me about where your performance is and how it's going for you. Fringe is awesome. Um, but we're putting up posters, we're going around, we're getting people to come to see our show, which is at Greenside Venue in Nicholson Square in the Emerald Theatre every day except for Sunday uh, at 10 to 2 at 1.50 p.m., uh, and it lasts for 55 minutes, and it opens on Monday the 13th and closes August the 25th. You're listening to the Edinburgh Fringe Show, a podcast radio put together for myself, you and Spence at the podcast corner, the team at Radio 6, Fringe Review, and iFringe as well. You've just heard about the show Falkland, it's always links back at our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com, and we'll spin that round now and keep up with the interview page. Ryan Napier and Marina Stratton up here in the Antissians is playing at Greenside. I caught up with them uh, and a long-time friend of the podcast, Chris Hislop, to find out more about this show. You see, the great thing about interviewing an actor that you've got Chris Hislop PRing is he says he's going to sit quietly in the corner and then you put him in the spot at the start of the interview. 
I'm not here. <laughs> okay, right, you've got the upper hand over him just once for about 10 minutes. Joining me now, Ryan Napier and Marina Stratton from the show The Anticians. So it's a show about two girls who are being raised apart from each other in isolation. They don't know about each other. Um, one is a girl of color, a black woman, and one is a white woman and the black girl is kept in the daytime she never ever is supposed to see darkness a warlock named Watho sees to it that it stays that way every time the sun goes away she's supposed to return to her quarters and sleep the white woman is kept in an enclosed dark quarters and he never wants her to see light or sunshine and they don't know about each other at all they don't know anything but it's about their adventure of having to come together or not coming together. What are the originations of the story? Yeah, so it was actually inspired from George McDonald's The Day Boy and the Night Girl. Um, my co-producer and co-playwright, Courtney, was had, had read the story a while back, and she grew up on George McDonald's stories, and we liked the fantasy genre and the idea of exploring that. And so we said, how can we find something and make it culturally relevant to uh, issues of the world today? And so... Ryan, what are you actually doing in the show, for the show? So I'm actually a co-playwright, co-producer, and uh, I play the role of Watho in the show. And, and when you approach a project like this and you're writing and you know it's going to be culturally aware, the world is very sensitive to many things at the moment. Yes, very sensitive. So instead of trying to make it boom in your face, which we, tr- we thought that making it uh, symbolically embedded in a fairy tale atmosphere can help us lure you in and then serve the message to you. Yeah. That was the idea. Uh, Marina, of course, uh, where are you in, in the whole canvas of the show? Um, so I'm playing Kieran. I'm one of the girls who is trapped um, in the story and what's so beautiful about it is that it, it feels like a fairy tale. There's music, there's dance, there's physical storytelling so it's for all ages and then the, the deep meanings and the undertones start to come in towards the end and it kind of takes you by surprise. Our entire cast is like a family. We love each other. We've been in each other's weddings and we're watching each other have children. And so like, but um, the, the themes of our show, the idea of family and togetherness and diversity being a beautiful thing that challenges you, but um, brings you together because you need the other half. That's something that's kind of embedded in our group. Um, as just as people so for me as an actress in rehearsals I'm I'm looking at my friend across from the room realizing just how beautiful her differences are um, and then of course for the story I'm, I'm playing innocent and I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to overdo it but I discover it my character discovers those differences at the end but in terms of letting the story do most of the development work yes. for the audience yes absolutely and when it comes to directing a piece like this how you know we, we did introduce the themes but how much do you rely on the audience being super smart? Yeah, we uh, actually had a lot of conversations about that. Doug, our director, is very important for us to make sure we were being as specific as possible when we were developing the show. And so we, we honestly started off our rehearsal process with a lot of conversation. And because of that, we were able to implement them, I felt like, um, throughout our rehearsal process. But it took a lot of conversations of both sides of people and different people sharing their different perspectives perspectives and life circumstances, um, such as Marina giving hers versus Chelsea giving hers, who plays the opposite girl. It's it, it required a lot of discussion, and because of that, I believe we were able to implement it, and hopefully it's very apparent. It sounds like it was a really easy show that could have went in a completely different direction, even with the same material. Yeah, it, it's you know it, we could have 
kept it light and kept it there and kept it fluffy, but I just think it's times are so hard right now. I don't understand how one could tell the story and not try to implement some type of reconciliation or tone of that somehow. Times are very hard, especially when it comes to race relations. Yeah, we're, we're hoping that people see our show and that they leave the theater feeling changed, that there is something that shifts in your heart. Um, what's beautiful about our show is that half the cast is black, half the cast is white. That's not something you always see. Right. So there's kind of a neutrality that happens. Right. And um, I, I mean, I would hope that as people leave, they realize that we're all just people and that we're yes. all beautiful and that there's, there's a need for each side. Yes, that there's a need. Yeah, the fact that... Uh, we have there's so much uh, divisiveness happening in our world and particularly in America and I think that what would be a powerful message and redemptive is if we all understand that despite our differences we have a need for one another and we are relevant to one another despite if we don't have much similarities or an affinity uh, of anything that's happened and the, the way that Ryan and Courtney have have written this script it's very very subtle so you could watch the whole thing it, except for the end and not even realize it's about race. It could just be a simple fairy tale where it just so happens that half of us are black and half of us are white. Mm-hmm. But the adults in the room will understand the deep, the depth, the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'd stage it differently if you were, say, doing it off-Broadway? If you were playing this in America, would you still take that same hard-hitting approach or would you re-workshop it for a different style of audience? Oh, no, we would definitely do it this, just the same way, maybe even a little bit louder if we could. Since of course, since it's America, it's off-Broadway. Of course, you got to go a bit louder. A bit louder here, a bit louder. <laughs> yeah. That's as much as I'm going with the accent. <laughs> I take it. I receive it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think we would tell it the exact same way, and uh, I think it's, it's very relevant there, and I, I think it's, I hope really to tell the story there at some point as well. So it's up here for not much longer at the Fringe. Tell us where we, people can go and see it. Yeah, you can come check us out at Greenside Venue, the Royal Terrace. And we are playing there until the 18th. We are playing every day at 11.25, and we are off on Sundays. And if you want to find out more information and such, you've got those details online? Um, yes, we do have a website, so you can just look up the Apricity Project, and our show is called The Anticians, and we also have an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so you can find us that way. And we will have a link straight into the ticket office to get your bookings for you back at our website as well, edmarfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Ryan, Brina, thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you so much. And just a quick question, because I know you young people at the Fringe, have you ever seen a film called Ladyhawk? <gasps> Actually, yes. Actually, my... <laughs> My pastor at home. Ryan's going, no. Ryan's like, no, actually, I haven't seen it. But it's Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick. And I was told that our show reminds them of that movie, in fact. Yeah, I've heard that before. (laughs) But I've not seen the movie, I must say. Lady Hawk. Yeah, it is. It's Lady Hawk. Yeah, it's Lady Hawk. Yeah, it is. It's genuinely Lady Hawk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they didn't even know it when they wrote it. Cast Party Sunday. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Ryan, Marina, and Chris, who's lurking in the in the corner, although wasn't it Rutger Hauer it's rather Rutger Hauer. than Murray? Yeah, it's Rutger no, Matthew Broderick's in it as well. Rutger Hauer plays plays one plays one of yeah. them, but Matthew Broderick plays the kid, and Michelle Pfeiffer's the mum, I think. The cast party, cast party. Rutger Hauer is Lady Hawk was the yeah. actual advertising slogan for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I are both massive nerds, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shall we try some Crawl or Hulk the Slayer next? Or oh, bring Hulk the Slayer next year. Uh, Hulk the Slayer, the musical. People have to pitch it to me, man. Hawk the Slayer, the musical. They've got to pitch it to me. It's not my decision. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys.
and Dizian's there, and as always, links back at our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. All your links as well to remember, if you can find us in the iFringe application, iFringe.com, you find us broadcast uh, in the evening on Radio 6 International, which you can listen to online at radio6.com, plus stations across Scotland and a syndicated network around the world from America, New Zealand, uh, and lots of places in between depending on which direction you go through uh, fringereview.co.uk also uh, lots of written interviews and reviews there on the website as well as the help they're giving off with the podcast and our audio capture as well this year very much appreciated we're not even halfway through the fringe yet we're getting close to it we're getting close but we're not quite there just yet all of that uh you know basically everything we've done at the fringe so far you could do it again and still have the equivalent of a Glastonbury left here in Edinburgh. It is that big of an event. It is that long of a run. And we can only bring you a small sample of the shows that are going on in Edinburgh just now. So do go out there if you find a show that you get here. I know that a lot of you have been uh, mailing me back and saying Look, we've been to see shows because we've heard them on the podcast. That's great. Tell me, tell the cast and the crew of the show as well. Um, otherwise, they just think they're being a random Scotsman for coffee. Not that there's anything wrong with meeting random Scotsman for coffee in Edinburgh. I quite like doing it, and I quite like my view did. But to get you all out there to listen and bring the fringe from Edinburgh across the world, that's what we're here for. I'm Ian Spence. Thanks very much for your time and your ears. It is very much appreciated. Catch you tomorrow. From the Fringe is presented and produced by Ewan Spence and is a production of Radio 6 International, copyright 2018.